So welcome to session five of Life Discover and these initial sessions of Life Discover. We've been really focused on our God-created identity, on who we are and on whose we are. And we've talked recently about being children of God and that also when we allow him to work in our lives, he creates this masterpiece, this living work of art created to do good works as we allow God to be the author of our lives. But it's also important this area of identity to also remember who God is. Now, the Bible gives God many names and many descriptions, but a key one that I want to focus on in this session of Life Discover is God as our father, as our heavenly father. Now, it's so crucial that we grasp this truth of who God is. But it is, of course, important to recognise that there are some challenges with this name of God as our father. Some people may have some good experiences and some good emotions when we say the word father. But for others, it can provoke some bad experiences and some bad memories and in some cases, some trauma. There is no doubt that our relationship with our earthly father will have an impact on how we view God as father. And we have to spend time with those who struggle with this, with this name of God as father, because this re realisation of God as our heavenly father, as a God that is always good and is always loving towards us, is crucial for our Christian faith. So bearing in mind this, this obvious obstacle for those who've experienced maybe an absent father or an abusive father, we need to picture somehow what it means to have a good, good father. Now, if you have had the privilege of a good earthly father, you will know how perhaps they seek to be a good role model, how they're prepared to make sacrifices uh, for you and how they have your best interests at heart, that their thoughts towards you are good and are kind and ultimately they, they want the best for you. In fact, they want you probably to experience more goodness and more love than they've experienced in their own life. Now, a relationship between a father and a child is, is very much that. It is a relationship and we have to recognise that. And it's a relationship because God himself is in relationship. He's in a community of persons, a trinity, three in one. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And we will look at each of those in future talks. But because God acts in relationship, we know that God wants to be known. He wants to relate to us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Now, one of the greatest stories in the Bible that helps us understand how God relates to us is a story about a relationship between a father and two sons. And we often call this the parable of the prodigal son. Now, one of the first books that I read as a new Christian back in 1990 at the age of 18 was a book given to me by a youth leader. It was called The Father Heart of God by an author called Floyd McClunk. And I'm so glad that this, that this was one of the first Christian books that I ever read because I think it gave me a real understanding of the immensity of God's love and how that love can truly create a revolution in our lives. And that this story is at the heart of that understanding of what it truly means to relate to God as our Father. First, we can understand that our Father, God, is our Creator. And of course, there are times in Scripture when this almighty Creator God is compared to a Father. Paul acknowledges this as he begins one of his greatest prayers in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 when he says I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Of course there are also times when he references the comfort of a mother given to a child like the comfort he will give to his people. Isaiah 66 verse 13 comes to mind when he says I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. And it's this parental image of who God is that gives a clear starting point to understand who he is. 
we know he's made us. We know that he's formed us. It says in Psalm 139 verse 19 that He, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He is our creator. But something else comes out of this story as well of the prodigal son that's really important. God is our creator, but he's also not our controller. He gives us freedom. The younger son in this story from Luke 15 is given the freedom to leave, the freedom to go. The younger son comes to the father asking for his share of the inheritance to go and make a life elsewhere. He wants his independence. And the father doesn't respond in rage or in anger. He lets him go. He allows him to make that choice. And that's an important part of our relationship with God. You know, we're not controlled. We are not robots. We have freedom to make choices. But there is, of course, the end of that story as well. When the son recognises that with that freedom he's just made, Uh, mistake after mistake and he's committed sin after sin so when the son returns and he comes back to the father he's of course expecting to have to make amends i'll come back as a servant he's expecting those words that perhaps earthly parents like to say sometimes those words i told you so but there's this wonderful verse that illustrates beautifully what our heavenly father is like while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. What a picture that is. Not a controlling father, not a father waiting to tell him, I told you so. Not a father waiting for him to be repaid with hard work and graft. A father waiting that was filled with such love and such compassion. A father prepared to embrace his son. If you're into art and painting, you probably know there's a picture by Rembrandt of this embrace. And the author and Dutch priest, Henry Newman, talked about this encounter he had with this painting. In fact, he wrote an entire book about it. You know, as an academic, he was somewhat dissatisfied with life, looking for something more. And he came to the same spot in the museum where this painting was every single day just to gaze for hours at this painting. And he looks at every detail and he says that encounter with this painting and this story changed his life. He said, I was indeed the sun. I was exhausted from long travels. I wanted to be embraced. I was looking for a home where I could feel safe. That image birthed something in him, a restoration in him, a healing in him. And Henry Newman was someone who was so committed to the restoration and the healing of others. But it was that encounter with God, that embrace that he had with God, the restoration of himself that led him to seek the restoration of others. And you know, sometimes we may get that from our worship times. We sing about the overwhelming, never-ending a reckless love of God. And some people don't like that using that word, but rather than debate the word, let's understand what you are receiving. You're receiving God's embrace. You're receiving God's compassion. You're receiving, maybe we'll call it this relentless, extravagant love, this overwhelming, never ending love. And it can teach us and train us and motivate us like nothing else can. It can restore us like nothing else can. It restores our souls. It restores our whole being. And we need to receive this love from our heavenly father to allow him to transform our lives and revolutionize our lives. To some of you, if I said the name Jeff Hurst, particularly the English football fans among you would know that name, Jeff Hurst. He scored a hat-trick in the 1966 World Cup final until the 2022 World Cup final was the only person to ever score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. And it's fair to say that outside of football, his life had a fair share of tragedy. His, His younger brother sadly committed suicide and his eldest daughter fought a long battle against a brain tumour. And he recalls sitting on the kitchen floor with his wife and two younger daughters just crying and weeping. And he says at that particular moment, I would have sacrificed all the cups 
and all the medals for a guarantee that my daughter would be cured. In that moment, he recognised that that glory that he received, that World Cup, that applause, the adoration of the crowd, the knighthoods, they were just all fleeting glories. But what remained was a father's love, an eternal bond that cannot be broken. You know, as an earthly dad myself, I have a little tiny insight into what our Heavenly Father's relationship is like with us. I have to confess something to you that when my um, oldest daughter was about two years old, I lost her in a queue for ice cream. I don't know how it happened. She was there one minute and the next she was just gone. Now, I cannot put into words the panic that I felt and the panic that you experience in that moment. But I can tell you this. In that moment, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And again, if that's the, the heart of this earthly father, how much more is that the heart of our heavenly father? That nothing else matters but finding my child. He goes into all out search mode. And this is what the father God does for us. In fact, Jesus said explicitly that this was his purpose. That when he said in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus took on the heart of his father. He goes into this all out search mode and he'll do whatever it takes to find you and to find me and to bring us back to him. Now, there are three parables in Luke 15 that illustrate that and they're all worth reading with this knowledge of God in all out search mode, looking for those that things that are lost. Of course, the one sheep that is lost. Now, you've got 100 sheep, you lose one. You've still got 99. There's no need to panic, surely. But look, what does the shepherd do? The shepherd goes to find the lost sheep and he searches for that lost sheep. And when he finds it, what does he do? He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. He says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully till she finds it? And then when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. And of course, he drives it home yet again with this story we have already looked at, this story of the lost son, this restored son. He's restored him not just from lost son to a hired hand, but he's restored him to a found son, a son that he's prepared to lavish gifts with and he's prepared to have a celebration and a feast for. Now, that shepherd that goes after the one lost sheep, the mother who is not content until she, till she finds that lost coin, the father who continues to pray and look for his lost son. And then when he sees him, takes off running towards him, throws his arms around him, kisses him and welcomes him back and throws a party for him. That's the heart of our father God. That is the fatherhood that should be and is in the kingdom of God. It may not be our experience here on earth, but it is how God loves. It's how God lives as our heavenly father. There are sadly many today who don't know this father. Often a father is seen through rules and regulations, a list of do's and don'ts. And this is the same view that many had in Jesus's day. But Jesus needed to say this. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. We see the kindness of the father in Jesus. We see the patience of the father in Jesus. We see the forgiveness of the father in Jesus. We see him as our sacrificial lamb on the cross, as our good teacher, as our gracious friend, readily displaying the true nature of father God. And Jesus was able to say to his father in times of prayer and submission, not my will, but yours be done because his trust was in the father. His confidence was in the father and that confidence was unshakable. 
Now, despite the physical discomfort that led to sweat drops of blood and the betrayal and lack of support from friends and that looming reality of humiliation and execution, the only begotten son of the father said, yes, I'm prepared to go through that because I trust my father. And in that relationship, we see freedom, love, trust. We see a power of an agreement that has caused our own salvation. And through Jesus, we see and receive what is possible in our relationship with God, the father. We enter into this unhindered access to a holy, holy God. We get to come to the ancient of days as his children. We get to be free from shame and free from fear. We can approach the throne of grace with boldness because we're a well-loved family member who's always welcomed into his presence. We can draw near to God and know that he will draw near to us, as James chapter four, verse eight says. And the Gospels, Jesus is constantly referring to God as father. And he made it perfectly clear that God is a good, perfect and loving father that we can always trust. And that when we experience that relationship with our perfect heavenly father, we can grow in the joy and blessings of that relationship. So let's finish with the words of Isaiah 41, verse 10. And this is God, the father speaking to us, saying, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Let your father God restore you and strengthen you this day and forevermore. Amen.